Hello and welcome to Oddments, the podcast for curious people and curious things. This is episode 21, which seems like a significant number, but I guess it really isn't. This week, we're going to enter the restroom, as well as beg the question, talk about pirates in the prairie state, and finally give you a chance to win the lottery. Some friends of mine were nice enough to invite me out to a small venue performance. As happens in a place where fermented beverages are sold, I felt the need to visit the facilities. Upon completion of my appointed rounds, I went to the sink, washed my hands, and then laughed. Attached to the wall next to the sink was a machine with a cloth towel hanging out of the bottom. Folks my age and older will know this as a continuous roll towel. The idea seems solid. You dry your hands on the comfortable cotton towel, and the next patron pulls down on the cloth to get a new clean section for their use. It's not a loop. When the last clean piece has been used, the towel retracts into the casing. Periodically, the roll is replaced by a new roll. This new standard of hygiene was pretty common in the 1950s and 60s before it was replaced with paper towels and the infamous push-button-receive-bacon style of hand dryers. These are usually white and have a single button that, when pressed, releases a rather weak stream of warm air. These will dry your hands, but it takes about 90 seconds, which is about 80 seconds longer than anyone is willing to spend on the task. But they were advertised as being more hygienic than continuous rolls because they could never run out, and people wouldn't accidentally use a towel that someone else used. Fast forward to today, and we have new options, including the Exelon, which produces a cool but very strong force that loudly dries your hands in a few seconds. We also have the Dyson Blade, which uses a laminar flow to strip water from your hands if you execute a dipping motion into its well-marked channel. Yay, we live in the future! But living in the future also means we know about germ theory, aerosols, and how bacteria can spread. And a recent study from the University of Leeds shows that our newest form of convenient drying spreads more than four times as much bacteria than the old-style air dryers, and a whopping 25 times more than paper towels. So if the goal of drying hands with air dryers is to reduce the spread of disease, the concept may be misguided. Paper towels seem to be the most hygienic, but they're wasteful, can run out, and are the most expensive option. So what's a hygiene-conscious patron of public facilities to do? For better or worse, you probably won't have a choice. It's a rare bathroom that has more than one option, so your choice boils down to using what's available, drip-dry, or the very common wipe-your-hands-on-your-pants-and-hope-no-one-notices technique. And consider this. If you're in a room with the new dryers, you're already exposed to the air, so you might as well dry your hands. And if you're worried about bacteria in the air, you really shouldn't be. You've been exposed to most of these bacteria your entire life, and to be delicate, every toilet flush increases the population of airborne wildlife. Auto-flushing toilets often use high pressure, and that too contributes to the problem. As for me, I'm just going to do what I need to do. Trying to protect oneself from every bacillus leads to more mental distress than is likely to come from exposure. 
It's a risk-reward calculation, and the ratio has a risk so low that the reward, preventing a possible disease, has odds akin to Powerball. You've heard the term begs the question before. Taken at face value, it seems to mean, you've made a statement that forces me to ask this question, as in you're begging for a question to be asked. For example, stating that I brought a zebra to work the other day begs the question of, why did you bring a zebra to work, or where did you get a zebra? However, when we go back to the Latin root of the phrase, petition principii, we find that it means back to the original point. So the proper usage of begs the question would be as follows. The Bible is the word of God because it says it is. That begs the question. Revelation cannot successfully support its own veracity. If you happen to be writing an academic paper and use the phrase begs the question in the informal common usage I first mentioned, you'll likely be marked down for it. But if you're chatting with friends at a local watering hole, what should you do when you hear the phrase used as I did in the zebra example? Some say you should correct the person and let them know they're using the phrase improperly. Others say that how the phrase is used is de facto what the definition is. Words have no defined meaning, they just mean what people use them to mean. And therein lies a conundrum for the curious. As there is no official body dictating the correct usage of the English language, and many words have changed their meaning completely over time, what do we do with phrases like beg the question? One answer is to ignore them. If you hear someone use the phrase, you should be able to tell which meaning they're using by the context of the conversation. In the Bible example above, an explanation is given as to why the Bible is true because it says it is, begs the question. That's likely to be the case whenever that usage is meant. In the more common usage, it's also obvious as the question that is being begged or asked for is then stated. So for the curious, there isn't a problem of communication. There's a problem of being correct. If you wish to align with the prescriptivists who believe that there are hard-set rules for language, that's a valid choice. But it's equally valid to align with the descriptivists who believe words are defined by their usage. And it's completely possible to stay outside of both camps and live with the reality that words are used in different ways and people can have strong opinions of them. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle and loot, drink up, be hearty, yo ho. We Our fascination with pirates continues unabated. Most people are aware that our fantasized notion of peglegs and parrots is the construct of 18th and 19th century authors. People don't romanticize about muggers, but that's essentially what most pirates were, people who would use force to take your property, often with grave violence. And they weren't always found on the ocean. During the time of the Alamo, Santa Anna referred to the Texians as pirates, as they were, in his eyes, stealing land and resources by force. In Illinois, pirates lived in a cave by the river. The appropriately named town of Cave and Rock has a cave in the rock that towers over the Mississippi River. For years, this cave was the hideout for bandits and brigands who would lure unsuspecting boaters up to their lair and ambush them, stealing their property and their lives. Several different groups of robbers called this rock home, and each was wiped out by bands of local lawmen. 
The reality quickly grew to legend, and the Pirates of Caven Rock are portrayed in equally legendary Davy Crockett movies, and are even found at the Magic Kingdom, having been recreated on Tom Sawyer's Island. Crime is entertaining. Stories of true crime have fascinated audiences for centuries, but pirates hold a special place in our hearts. In popular culture, our sympathies often lie with the criminals, so long as they're pirates. Very few of us are sympathetic to the street mugger who grabs a purse or takes a wallet at gunpoint. Carjacking, a form of highway piracy, is reviled. But in the end, what's the difference? Winner, winner, chicken dinner! The lottery has been called a tax on people who can't do math. The odds of winning the lottery are terrible. But as they say, you can't win if you don't play. You pretty much can't win if you do play either. New Jersey and many other states use a paramutual wagering system. For every dollar bet, 50 cents goes to the state, and the remaining 50 cents is split amongst the winners. The average take for winners in the New Jersey Pick 4 is $2,768.50. The max was about $5,159, and the lowest payout was only $536. Here's an interesting thing. The higher wins tend to be when higher numbers are picked. The lowest wins tend to begin with the number 1. In fact, none of the top 100 payouts of the last two years started with the number 1. Why? Because people tend to play numbers that have meaning. Anniversaries and birthdays begin with one frequently, as in 1970, or 1225 for Christmas, so more people play those numbers. That means you have to share your winnings with more people. The number picked is random, so since you have the same chance of any number winning, it makes sense to choose a number that no one else is likely to pick. 8632 will win more money than 1970, simply because fewer people will have picked it. You should also avoid patterns and beginning with the numbers 0 or 2. Also, the day you play matters. You'll win more money on a payday than the day just before payday. Why? More people playing means more money in the pot, and people can only play when they have money. While this also means more people to share money with, if you've chosen an unusual number, you'll come out ahead with more money in the system. A very simple way to look at the lottery is this. You've got 1 in 10,000 odds of winning less than $2,800 on average. If you play 10,000 games, you'll spend $10,000 and only win $2,800 on average. The state, on the other hand, is taking $5,000 and paying nothing other than overhead. If you can run a lottery like this, you've got a good deal. In that spirit, today we'll be launching something new, the College of Curiosity Pick 4 Daily Lottery. You can play and chances are you'll win. In fact, unlike most lotteries, the odds are heavily in your favor. Here's how it works in our system. You pick any four numbers. Every day take one dollar and put it in a jar. Then watch the results of the New Jersey Pick 4 Midday. If your number comes up, I'm sorry you've lost. Today you would have lost $2,787, but don't worry, you don't have to pay that money, you just don't receive it. 
Now, if your number didn't come up, and there's a 9,999 out of 10,000 chance that it didn't, you have won $1. If that doesn't seem like much, consider that in a year of your number not coming up, which is statistically likely, you'll have won $365, depending on the year. In 10 years, if your number doesn't come up, you'll have won $3,652. But you might think 10 years is a long time. Surely I would have hit the lottery in all those years. Statistically, it's unlikely that you would. In 10 years, 3,652 out of 10,000 numbers will be drawn. Some of them could be duplicates, though this is unlikely. That means that if you bet the same four-digit number every day, you have about a one in three chance of winning the lottery in 10 years for an average amount of $2,768.50. In the College of Curiosity lottery, you have a two in three chance of winning $3,652, nearly $1,000 more than if you won the lottery in that time. One important difference, if you play the New Jersey lottery every day, you could win more than once. In fact, you could win every single day. The odds of doing so define the term astronomical. But you say math is hard. This doesn't make sense. And to be fair, I'm way oversimplifying things. In fact, the odds are worse than I'm indicating, and I'm ignoring things like interest and taxes. But let's play it out in the real world. College of Curiosity will play our new lottery on collegeofcuriosity.com using numbers picked from the New Jersey Pick 4 Midday. And you can play two. The only rule is that you have to stay with the same number so we can compare the results consistently. We'll keep a running total of how much we've won using our lottery on the site. You keep a total of how much you win or would have won. If you'd like to make it public, we can add your name and number to our webpage and we can compare. You might say, duh, why do this? Everyone knows the lottery is a fool's game. Yes, many people know that. But judging from the $2.8 billion that New Jersey took in last year, many don't. And some also think it's fun to have a number to look at every day to see if you've won. The College of Curiosity Lottery provides the fun with better odds and zero chance of losing actual money. Our number will be 5671, chosen by rolling dice with Siri. We searched back to February 11th of 2014 and this number didn't come up. If we'd started playing a year ago, we'd already be ahead by $365. Let the winning begin, and good luck to everyone. Though, if you have the choice between favorable odds and a wish for good luck, we suggest taking the odds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Oddments. We'll see you next time.